You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to Beyond Synth. This is episode 337, and on the show today, I am catching up with Droid Bishop. Droid Bishop is right now on tour with Magic Sword in the Europe and UK, and we recorded this just last week, and I wanted to get this episode out there while they are on tour. Technically speaking, their tour started a few days ago, so we'll go chat with him in just a bit. I guess I get to debut a song off the new EP because the new EP isn't out yet, so we'll do that. And uh, just before then, I just got to do some patron shoutouts, read some letters real quick, and then we'll go... uh, a chat with Droid Bishop. That's what we're doing today. So first off, I would like to say that we have a new patron this week, Mr. Brendan Kellum. I recognize that name. Did Brendan Kellum go away and come back? They all come back. Anyways, thank you, Brendan, for your support. You're a cool guy. And uh, thanks for supporting the show. And for all you other people listening to the show, don't forget that now one of the new patron rewards is to join Marco and I for a playlist episode. And you can uh, sit in and chat, and we have a fun time. We've recorded a bunch of them, and uh, we'll be recording more. So that's a good time. That's for all the people in the $25 club. And... And up. Speaking of which, I would like to thank my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons, Chris Dance, Mike Shima, Mystery Donor, Dennis LaFunk, Mike Erdahl, Brandon Decker, and Tim Carlton in the $50 Club, my semi-sonic friend Jacob Wick, Retro Serenade, and Dinner Dog. So thank you all for supporting the show. I have a quick message to read here. I got one here from one of my PayPal's. I think I mentioned Michael Sackey before, possibly on the episode a few weeks ago. And uh, he wrote in to say, You keep giving shout-outs to me. It's a great way to make me feel guilty of having made only one donation. I'm listening to the interview with TimeCop1983, who is probably my favorite synthwave artist. Greetings from a rainy, autumny Munich, with Oktoberfest raging a couple of kilometers away. Anyway, yes, thank you for your support. You're a cool guy. Michael Sackey, revealing my trick of guilting people into sending in more donations. <laughs> but yes, uh, thank you for your support. And I have another quick letter here. This one is from Mike Go Visit Andy, who says, Hey Andy, how's it going, you ultimate synthwave wizard? Hope all is well. Just wanted to say that I keep enjoying every episode big time. Even better with the new format since you release more often. Also cool to hear Marco more often. I would like to share an opinion on something that came up a couple of times lately on the show, which is the hate comments on the new stuff on the traditional franchises like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. 
I get your point on trying to avoid negativity and all, but at the same time, I get people's madness on stories being, like, ignored completely and characters being sort of ruined and stuff. It's actually terrible, in my opinion. If the producers want to create a completely new world where Galadriel is a warrior and all that, they could, like, create a new story, even with a similar name. The characters could have, like, similar names as well, and it could be full of Middle-earth references and stuff. I think a show like that would be easier to digest. And after all, even fans of the originals could look at it without contempt and be happy with the references and stuff. Same for all those lame Star Wars sequels and other franchises that started fires all around. I don't know, that's my shitty opinion. And then he gives me some recommendation of some metal music. Someone called Edu Falashi? Falachi? Edu Falashi. Mirror of Delusion! I advise you this is not synthwave at all. It's metal, but it's very video gamey and cheerful. Being yourself a former Blind Guardian listener, I think you might enjoy that. That's all for now. Keep it up. All the best to you, man. Take care. I send you a hug. We say that in Brazil. Well, thanks for the message. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to these sorts of things, everyone always seems to be arguing from like two perspectives, right? It's like right versus left, or this show is the worst show ever, or it's great. And my basic point is, if you don't like something, it's totally valid. As far as I'm concerned, when I type in Lord of the Rings into YouTube, it's mostly negative reviews. So that seems to be all I see. And I'm watching it, and I'm enjoying it. Now, it has flaws. I mean, one of the flaws for me is like, I think literally every actor's face bothers me in this show. <laughs> but I will say, and maybe it is just the the score and the cinematography and all this stuff, but there have been a lot of moments where they were like sort of emotional moments that worked on me. I would say especially the is he Gandalf or is he not character storyline. So... I'm just not prepared to call this the worst show I've ever seen. That's basically my point. But I'm not saying people's feelings are invalid if they don't like it. I mean, of course they are. Especially if you're a fan of Tolkien, like, it's really important to you to stick closely to the lore. Then, yes, absolutely. I completely understand why this show would annoy you. It's just not affecting me in that way. Like I said on a previous episode, I'm not going to pretend to be mad at stuff just to go on rants. You know what I mean? Like, things got to be really frustrating for me to expend that sort of energy. And what I'm noticing lately, and this has been my my modern thesis on Hollywood and the backlash to perceived wokeness and things and stuff, is I just see a lot of people complaining about stuff that I'm not convinced they actually care about. Why do I need to see a grown man complaining about the writing in Ms. Marvel when that show was clearly marketed to a younger audience? Like, we all saw the ad. Like, that show was not geared towards adult men. It's like if I went on rants complaining about those Disney kid shows where it's like, it's two twin brothers and they go on wacky adventures. It's like... That show's not for me. That show's for seven-year-olds. Like, why would I give a shit if it sucks? You know what I mean? Of course it sucks. <laughs> like, but the point is, your feelings are completely valid. So uh, you can hate whatever you want to hate, man. <laughs> anyway, look... Uh, I've talked long enough. Uh, thank you for all your support, everybody. Thank you for writing in letters. And now we're going to listen to a new Droid Bishop track, and then we're going to chat with Droid Bishop. It's called Above the Clouds from Droid Bishop's new upcoming EP, Nights. And when we are done listening to the song, we will be in conversation with Droid Bishop. So this is Above the Clouds by Droid Bishop.
Well, I am here right now with Droid Bishop. How's it going, man? Good. How are you, Andrew? I'm great, James. Great. Great to be here. Great to be here. I wanted to do a catch-up with you because I realized usually we kind of do like a yearly sort of thing. It's about that time. And I feel like it's been even longer than a year. I feel like it's been about a year, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think it like had an album come out last October, and I think I came around that time. But you know what? We're here now. Forget the past. It's all about the present and the future. Was it October? I thought it was in the summer. No. Well, I don't know when I came on. Maybe I came on and, you know, we were talking and you were going to edit it you know, a month later or something. Uh, that sounds like me. Yeah. What have you been doing, man? What have I been doing? <laughs> well, making music. Yeah. Always making music. As I'm sure you know, dropping some singles this year. About to uh, finish up this EP. I was finishing mixing the last track right before I... Got on the call with you, so hoping to wrap that up and heading out with Magic Sword to Europe and UK in October and November and trying to get some things wrapped up for that. Uh, so just, you know, just full-blown droid bishop lifestyle, 100%, always. Is this EP that's coming out a collection of the singles you've released, or what's the plan for that? Yeah, I mean, I put out some remixes and, and some collab stuff, but it's just going to be a few of the singles I've put out that are just me, and I think it'll be about six tracks, and, you know, two will be unheard when it comes out, so I think I'm releasing one more single, and I don't know, who knows, I'll may- maybe put some random interlude stuff on there, and like, oh, it's a full album, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> just add a couple minute thing yeah 10 10 tracks right yeah no but i i didn't even know i'd get this many done you know i did those three full lengths in a row every year and uh you know i was gonna take a little break but you just kind of keep writing and then you know by this halfway through the year i'm like i could put out an ep and so i mean six songs is still better than zero songs so that math checks out yeah it does i went to school one day And they were teaching that. <laughs> what is better than zero? Six. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Unless, you know, it's smallpox and I'd rather have zero. That's the most important thing. It's all about context. There you go. Context. And that's yes. why you're here, man. Context is key. And uh, Droid Bishop is a cool guy. That's the context for this uh, conversation. Good context. So, how many tours have you gone on with Magic Sword now? Is this the third or the second? This will be the third, third. that we embark on. Yeah, 2019 went out like kind of Midwest, East Coast with them, and then did the West Coast thing with them and Dance with the Dead this past spring. And this will be cool. It's like, a, I think, almost five weeks out there in the UK. And, and uh, the UK and Ireland dates are also with LeBrock. Right, okay. So, that'll be cool. Yeah, it's been cool, like uh, Magic Sword, you know, taking me under under the cloak, if you will. Mm. Like, good connections and always a good time. And Magic Sword's very uh, cloak and dagger, if you will. And, you know, I'm not about to uh, tell you that it's a, a woman under there and ruin the whole surprise. But um, <laughs> no, I've seen under the skirt. I know what's yeah, there. Well, I know that you know. I know that you know. And, <laughs> you know, the one running the sword, I get along with really well and you know we just chat about like the same movies and everything we are very much into the same stuff and and that that really matters when you're out on the road and you know we sh- i've shared uh, the same bet with the sword 
You know, it's a little dangerous in there. Mm. It's just good times, good people, because that stuff can fall apart really quickly when people aren't getting along. And this will be our longest run, so hopefully we make it through it. Well, fingers crossed for you. I haven't talked to Magic Sword in a while. When's the last time I talked to him? He doesn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't like me either. I, yeah. I'm just joshing. Well, listen. How about this? Let's get this this kickstarted here and listen to some tunes. So I've selected a bunch. Now, of course, you've released a, a bunch of singles since the, the last time you were on. So we'll listen to some of those. There's also some uh, Droid Bishop sanctioned remixes because there was one. There was like a LaMotta remix and a Tonebox remix. I'm going back. I'm going back. You know, I was just saying today. I want to listen to some Droid Bishop tracks we haven't played on the show before. That's what today's about. Sounds good. Maybe I haven't even heard them. <laughs> well, you reposted them, so I hope you have. I don't know. <laughs> Who the fuck is Lamada? Lamada is uh, is is cool though. I gotta give a, a shout out. The guy who makes the music is super cool, and he's underrated. And you know, he's one of these guys who, like, in my opinion, understands how to make music, and he and understands the ins and outs. And he used to study it, I guess. Like many people in this scene, you know, you, you used to play or do something, and life happens. You have another job, and you know, a lot of those people don't know what they're doing, in my opinion. But this guy does, and I feel like I've told him, like, dude, you're one of the people like i feel like you should be doing this more than the job that you're at and that's why i've always tried to push him and i gave him that remix to do which he was the only one who did one for me off that album and you know sometimes you just see people and you want to encourage them because believe me there's so much crap out there almost to an annoyance factor and it's like yo why don't you stop doing that and you over there who doesn't think he's good enough and like you're better than all these people what are you doing i like the world is crazy man it's insane. I like just- how about you? Yeah. You stop that. <laughs> yeah, you don't do that. Go back to being a dentist. Uh-huh, that's right. And uh, <laughs> I don't think there's any dentist synthwave acts. Someone told me the other day that I should uh, appeal to dentists because they have a lot of money and they it was a star apart. He says, uh, you know, they, they invest in film and stuff. I'm like, maybe they can invest in me. And then I realize that I don't think I have a single dentist listener. Yeah, it is funny, I guess, like the dentist thing. I always used to say like, uh, you know, because I'm a guitar player by trade and, and a lot of my career path. But I'd always make a joke like, yeah, the, the freaking dentist, you know, has the, the better guitars than I do, you know, and it's all it, it's always true. You go to some like <laughs> doctor's pad and you'd have like a guitar room and it's like you have you have this 1955 stratocaster sir and dude you know just like bends it out like a screaming cat but that's fine you know what i mean <laughs> his money his gear yeah well look play the song we we, we talked about this lamada remix so how about we actually listen to it jam it so this is uh this is dancing in the darkness by droid bishop the lamada remix
And that was Dancing in the Darkness by Droid Bishop, the Lamata Remix. And I'm here right now with Mr. Droid Bishop himself, James. And we're just catching up, doing our yearly check-in. I do. I like to do check-ins like the police, so I do wellness checks. Do I turn and cough? Well, no, like I'm not a doctor. I mean, like just, you know, if... Uh, I guess that's a check-up. Like the wellness checks are when cops come to your house when people call you because they think you're yeah. dead or going crazy and the cop comes to make sure you're not. So are you going crazy or dead? No, I was just, uh, you sent me off into my brain thinking about Home Alone when she's like, so you want us to go and check on your son? You know, the wellness check? All right, let's move on from this uh, bit. (laughs) That's not going anywhere. Mm. So what's something in the past year that has excited you where you're like, you know what? I'm glad I saw that or heard that or. Oh, first off, I got a couple things. Got a couple things. I'll go from recent to the past, but uh, I saw my hero for the first time ever live last Saturday, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah? And that was just one of the greatest times of my life because I love that guy, and uh, he's a hero of mine, and it was great to see dudes in his 60s looking great. It felt like I was just watching like an opening of like a Seinfeld episode. You know, <laughs> it was like same dude in a suit just going on, man. It was awesome. That was a great experience. I'm, I'm kind of on this like trip of just going to do things like you know the last couple of years has been a little weird for some people and i didn't do anything for a couple of years so just kind of like oh that band's in town like let's go or like you know let's go to a movie and speaking of movies my favorite movie of the year which is nope i don't know if you saw that no i haven't yet i will but to me and i know you don't like horror and gore as much but this is like a science fiction-y i don't know if you've heard stuff about it i just went in kind of cold if you will like i didn't you know the trailer doesn't give too much away and i'm not going to give too much away here but i was blown away i saw it in the theater and i was like you know some of the other jordan peele stuff is good some of it's okay get out was good us was a cool concept didn't love the execution nope i was sold like that i'm sold on him forever kind of thing do you know what i mean i was watching this and i was like wow this is a freaking movie you know what I mean? This is a <laughs> cinematic movie. There were there were some shots in there, like cinematography. I was like, this is awesome. And like, it was just an experience that like you rarely get anymore. And we got two of those at least in this year, which that and Top Gun, in my opinion, are like, wow, these are freaking movies that like, thank you. This is why you get out of your chair at home and go somewhere. Because most of the stuff is like, yeah, I watch that on TV or on like at home, you know. Yeah. But the, off the top of my head, those are some moments that kind of stick with me in the recent days. Yeah. To be fair, on my sort of thing with gore, we've been uh, watching old cheesy movies and talking about them on the show just because it's fun to. Uh, I've, I've been watching things on Tubi, you know, and just watching old shitty horror films. Yeah. Stuff. Exactly. For me, when it comes to gore, I don't have a problem with gore. I just have an issue with when you watch old, like you know, the horror movies from like you know, like the eighties and stuff and older just because to do the special effects you know the people have to kind of stand still right because they're like hooked to a bunch of wires and blood bags and stuff so i'm not really a big fan of like suffering or people standing there letting themselves be murdered it's just a psychological thing that's always bothered me because you know like when you watch an old horror film like someone will just stand there and then someone will come and like cut their arm off and then they'll just sort of like stand there yeah just like screaming as blood shoots out and you just think fucking run dude like what the fuck like just but of course they can't because 
to do the special effect. Like, you wouldn't be able to move around or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I don't necessarily have a problem with gore. It's just, it's more in, in older movies, there's this this weirdness to people just standing around letting themselves be killed that really bothers me. But, like, you know, when it's, like, fun or, like, over the top or crazy, like, you know, like, I like RoboCop and, yeah. you know, there's there's movies with, like, super brutal violence that well, I'm... Well, that's action violence. Yes, that's true. They're totally different mindsets. You know, action violence, like, is la- I laugh at that shit. You know what I mean? Like, some sniper dude's, like, nails some guy and his head explodes. Like, I chuckle a bit. My girlfriend's always like, that's funny to you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what, though? Because in my head, it's just, I just don't like suffering. So, like, if someone gets a gory death, but they're dead instantly, then I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? So, head explosions are totally fine because I'm like, well, the person's dead. Like, it's over, you know? It's just when someone's like just standing there and someone just keeps like slicing at them and they're not moving, yeah, I mean, it's just I, like, I get that. Fucking get really, out of there, dude. I don't necessarily enjoy watching like the torture stuff. Like, I, it doesn't bother me to like turn away or turn it off. Like, the action violence, though, like, give that to me all day. You know, squibs, blood oh, yeah. packs. Like, to me, that's fun and awesome and really not in, uh, you know, sometimes you get these action movies more modern that are like sleek and feel real and like that's that's good for this like film but then i feel i don't like have the laughing factor at that i'm like this feels real like uh, real cops killing someone yeah lately my big issue is just how digital everything is like i don't like digital blood hits i hate the digital blood i hate it because it never looks good knows now she's like those are squibs right i'm like yeah this is a real fucking movie yeah (laughs) yeah I hate That's true, that. though. I hate digital blood. I hate fucking digital blood. Yeah, it wrecks everything, and even some stuff that, like, would have been okay, like the new Predator movie. Conceptually, I was fine with the film, but it, it had so much CGI in it, yeah. and so everyone's all focused on, like, they just want to be happy because, like, whatever, like, the plot line, and I, I thought it was fine, but... I was so disappointed every time there was digital blood. And to me, it like it, it wrecks the magic of movies. Like, you know, we've talked about this a million times, and I know the listeners are probably bored to death of this, about practical effects versus digital. Fuck but, them. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I've been saying that a long time. Yeah. But, you know, when you have practical effects, it just means there's so much more, like, planning that goes into it, and you really have to know what you're doing. And adding the digital blood, I think sometimes I've seen that a lot in movies now where, like, there is a practical effect where, like, the person has their arm off and they've really made a prop you know like fake arm but then they add digital blood like dripping out of it or they add more blood on the shirt and you can just tell and it's like why didn't you just on the day just fucking get a bucket and just squirt stuff up i mean like one of the cooler scenes of that new predator that everybody loves is when the predator fights the bear and then he like holds the bear up that was one of the best scenes and it is a cool scene except that it's a cartoon like the whole scene was a cartoon and so while i appreciated it conceptually that new predator i just was like fuck this should have been made in the 90s could you imagine if this that movie was made like just two years after predator 2 and like it had to all be practical and because there were so many cgi animals in that thing i hate cgi animals yeah i mean i loved the movie to me it's the it's the second best predator in like story just like as a movie other than the cgi i'll always prefer practical effects there's too much cgi in this that being said i liked the movie a lot you know what i mean yeah i always come back to this what movie looks pretty much better than most movies today is jurassic park 
And it's because they were like, well, we'll do this because that technique works better for this and it's going to look real. And we're going to use this effect like these computers for this because we can't do that practically and we're going to mix it all together and no one's going to fucking know because your brain's constantly being confused. And I feel like, why is everyone forgetting that? And I don't know if you've seen these new shows popping up about like, it's called like Unearthed and it's all about the Star Wars movies being made and like by the clone wars literally like no human was even dressed in like a stormtrooper outfit they were like do you want us to make and it's like no we're just gonna digitally do everything and that fucking movie looks terrible yeah the clone wars looks the worst somehow of all of them yeah yeah. that movie looks terrible and george lucas is like this weird (laughs) weird character because it's like he created and helped create all these techniques even edit droid avid you know like all these things that like are great and we use and he's also like the robot turns on his creator kind of thing like he's the (laughs) enemy at the same time you know what i mean like it's like dude are you confused you need to have like your own personal producer like telling you stuff like nah george that looks bad or like this is weird and you're only doing this to prove a point about cgi and technology and like that dude's a little confused in his brain i feel (laughs) sorry george well, look, I want to listen to another song and we'll keep talking. All right. How about we listen to the track that I like to call The Night by Droid Bishop.
And that was The Night by Droid Bishop. That's a cool song. And I'm here right now with the man himself, Mr. Droid Bishop. Howdy. And we're uh, talking about George Lucas. <laughs> well, we were. We can get off that. Uh, well, know. I mean, just to put a button on this fucking the, the Predator one was what, what sort of disappointed me was just because I knew that it was not like a super high budget movie. And so I was actually anticipating it to be a bit more restrained. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's not going to be $300 million, so they're not going to be doing all this fucking wacky shit. And then when the movie still had a lot of CGI, I was sort of surprised because I was like, oh, they had such an opportunity here to, like, not do this. I I actually thought the movie would be less, like, just less stuff and simpler. Like, that's what I miss. It could have been. And it was. I mean, in certain ways, there was a lot to commend about it. Like, the story was sleek. It wasn't full of stupid one-liners and jokes, which I liked, because that's fucking, I'm tired of that now. All the big-budget movies now, it's like the main characters never take anything that's happening seriously. And it's like, dude, if the characters in this think this is a joke, then I can't care yeah like about anything if they don't which is fine if you're doing like an action comedy well it depends on the movie this movie did not need jokes like from this like native girl you know beyond the cgi like i think the story was strong enough like if something the cgi is like hindering it in a way like okay but if if the movie is good enough as like a story and the acting and you know i can forgive that in the state of the you know i under well that's how people make movies i get i get it but if it's like that and the movie's not good and the story's crap then it's like dudes yeah (laughs) what are you doing and to kind of wrap that thing up something gives me hope that top gun was like 95 percent practical and that movie made like 1.7 billion dollars yeah do you know what i mean and that that's kind of like hey can we hey marvel people hey other like can you just take a look at this this is made more than your movie and it's fucking awesome you said it best because you know what you made that joke before like (laughs) when you see a movie with squibs like yeah this is a real movie yeah there is and i don't know how to necessarily like define this but there is that feeling you get when you watch something and you say literally this is a real film and Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just because everything else i watch like the sci-fi and the superheroes and stuff where it's so inundated with cgi it's a cartoon bro. that it's a cartoon and it just doesn't feel quite as substantial as just a quote-unquote real movie. And so I find myself now like going back, and I love that there's so many 80s films I haven't seen. Like Sometimes I feel like it's, it's bad because I host this show, and it's all about retro shit, and so I should have this encyclopedic knowledge of 80s movies. And I don't. And every time I watch one that I haven't seen, the feeling of it, you just feel like every time, like, wow, this is, this is real. And everything I'm watching now is... Not. not real, not real. <laughs> and, and here's the thing: like, I don't care how the sausage is made, as long as it's the fucking sausage that I want to eat. And like most technical, like CGI houses, and uh, most things, like you haven't figured it out. So stop like pushing it on us. Like, it, if I can tell within two minutes that that's not a a real thing that was filmed, like two seconds. I mean, like they haven't figured it out, and most people haven't. Or, or it's like why are you making the whole thing like build some sets like you know nothing is better than seeing a real fucking cop car flip over and explode (laughs) just to even blanket something that that's never gonna go back so it doesn't matter and it's it bothers me nothing looks like film 
Nothing looks like film. One more time. Nothing looks like film. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when I see film and movies, that's a movie. That's me out of my life. When I see this new shit today, I'm not escaping. I'm like, why is this like, why are they in my living room? Yeah. <laughs> why, is this look, why am I in their living room with them? Like, why is this too clean? Yeah. The, the crispness. I really feel it with the cartoons as well, like modern animation. Yeah. It's so it's just, gross. Everything is so crisp and clean. And so gross. You know, when I go back and watch my my Ghostbusters DVDs or like old Simpsons and stuff. Dude, I've just been watching old Simpsons last night and I'm like, this looks awesome. And then a new one popped up. I'm like, this looks glossy and garbage. Yeah. And it's those imperfections. It's like, you know how when you watch old cartoons, there's almost like a drop shadow behind all the characters, like everything that's animated that's on the cell. It's almost last night. Yeah. yeah. I was like, exactly. But that stuff, I don't know, it adds to it. It's the reason why I think uh, movies and visual things are a little easier to tell for me personally. I think audio, it's the reason a lot of people like try to get like the old tape sound, like let's get, let's saturate the, the tracks or like, let's get these drums saturated. Like everything's trying to be like analogy and making it sound older, like old studio stuff, which sounds great in my opinion too. It's easier to kind of like mix that up and you're like, I don't know, was that analog? Was that digital but like movies and visual stuff i'm just like i see what you're doing here sir and i don't like it yeah i would say because i'm always bitching about this stuff so i will say one positive is i will say green screen is probably the only place where i will just say you know what green screen's pretty good now like that's the one area when i watch 80s movies and like whenever there's a green screen and people have that big thick like black line around them and stuff and like no exactly it is good it is good when you have smart lighting people i have seen really big budget movies where the green screen background is so fake looking because like no one thought to like match up this light accurately and it's right. like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> I think the thing that's sort of depressing a bit is because you're, you know, you're, you're talking about this, about, you know, real sets and stuff like this. And I was watching, I probably brought this up a few times, but I was watching one of these behind the scenes of the, the last Spider-Man movie. Mm. And I mean, I enjoyed it because it was all this Spider-Man nostalgia. It made me happy. But they show this behind the scenes. And it's Spider-Man, and he's fighting Doc Ock, and they're in, like, a parking lot. Or at least they're they're on a bridge, but they're filming it in a parking lot. And they really did have real cars, and they were they were blowing up. And then Doc Ock is, like, throwing a big, uh, you know, like, cement fucking block thing at Spider-Man. But then once they start doing the CGI, it's like, well, Alfred Molina were de-aging his face, so his face becomes a cartoon. Which they have not nailed that. They haven't nailed that yet. No, and it's like, and now that he looks like that, well, now we have to replace his jacket so that it matches the new face we did. So then they just end up replacing him completely. And then they're like, well, the thing that was really there on set, that big chunk of shit that got thrown, well, now it doesn't look right with the CGI guy. So then they replace that. And then Tom Holland is not even in a Spider-Man costume. He's in a fucking green screen thing. And they're talking about how great it is that like, you know, look at Tom Holland. He's like doing flips and he really is on set doing flips. And I'm like, why? Like, they're going to replace you with a cartoon. Like, you don't need to do anything. You could fucking Robert Downey Jr. this thing and show up for one day and sit in a chair for your close-ups where you're in the Iron Man mask and then a cartoon does the rest of your job. Like, there's no reason to be doing flips in a green screen suit. Like, it doesn't even make sense. But I mean, in that that area, like, you know, it's like there's no right answer because the Iron Man thing, at least in my mind, 
Uh, I saw some behind the scene, like this is the suit and this is the CGI. And like, it was virtually undetectable for the Iron Man thing. But they intercut them together. That's my point. It's like, here's him with the suit on and we're going to film that. And then we're going to intercut it with the CGI. And like, your brain doesn't have time to really like, it's like, oh yeah, I guess it all looks real. I, I think anytime it's like a living yeah. creature, yeah. if it's a robot, they got robots and buildings and vehicles you know, like cities, like those sorts of things they That's have fine. down. That's fine. But animals, like, fuck, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. And, and <laughs> I don't understand, like, how Pixar and Disney things, like, how, how do these things look more real than the movies that are, like, trying to be live action with, like, a real animal or, or something? And it's like, these Pixar movies are nailing it with realism of, like, hair and texture of wood and all these things i'm just like why does this cartoon look more real to me than a marvel movie where someone just kind of looks rubbery and plastic all of a sudden when they're human yes i I don't understand it but they are the thing with the mandalorian i think like that show looks great because they're doing that uh, panoramic kind of like rear screen projection thing with those like high res led screens now and that's awesome that's my favorite new piece of cinema tech that one gets me the most excited no it is it's it's the best and yes 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 and the reason is i got in like i went to film school and i love the idea of making things but what excited me was the fact that movies were made practically and so there's a problem solving element there's something exciting about someone says to you hey there's a scene where this fucking you know monkey smashes this guy through a wall and then you have to go How are we going to do that? And there's all this problem solving and creative energy to figure it out. And nowadays with CGI, all the fun of that is gone because they say, how are we going to do it? Well, fucking we'll put in a monkey simulator into, you know, the 3D program and that's going to generate the monkey. And then we've got our our wall smashing physics engine. So that'll handle all the bricks. So it's not fun anymore. It's it's no longer creatively exciting to think, how are you going to solve this problem? And that's why the volume or whatever that they film Mandalorian on is exciting because I could imagine actually making something going, how would I use this thing? How could I creatively like imagine my vision if I had a giant screen behind me that could project the background and it actually felt real? And that's exciting because it feels like a real thing. Yeah, it does. I feel like the green screen, CGI, all this stuff was kind of a stepping stone to this kind of area where it's going back into like practical problem solving on the set a you get natural lighting from the thing behind you you know what i mean like that's lighting you if you're in the desert with a sun that's what's lighting the character so you never have to like match anything and it always looks like they're there and you can just kind of like oh that's not like let's change that around like like let's move that sun over here i saw crazy shit i'm sure you saw similar stuff but like it just feels more like we can do things in the moment like what you're saying like hey let's change this around or like how would you interact with that background rather than just seeing green everywhere and like i'm telling you from an artist point like you need things to help you vibe on stuff you know like yes you could work anywhere and record something anywhere but like magic happens when you're inspired by things and i know a lot of actors just hate working in these green the the sea of green in these warehouses it just seems really boring yeah. to me but <laughs> well i'll tell you what's not boring this next song is this next song exactly <laughs> So how about, well, we're talking about Hollywood here. So how don't we listen to the Hollywood track? Jam it. So we're going to do that and then we'll keep talking. This is Hollywood by Droid Bishop. (laughs) 
And that was Droid Bishop with the track Hollywood. And I'm back with Droid Bishop. We're uh, having a very nerdy discussion about CGI and movies. Well, we could we could move on from there and what t- <laughs> talk about something else. It always comes back to that. What venue did you see Seinfeld in? Oh, some like theater in uh, Riverside, California. It's about two hours outside of L.A. I don't know if like he was had an L.A. show. I couldn't find one, but it was worth the drive. But, you know, it was just like a 1500 theater. Okay. But it was cool. It was my first time seeing comedy in a theater, I think. I go to comedy clubs a little bit. I like it. But, but I always also have like this thing about heckling. And like, look, I'm never going to heckle a comedian. I respect people on stage. And even if they're bad, like I'm just, you know, I'm not going to like heckle them. Mm. And I request the same respect from comedians. They don't care about that. So like my thing is not sitting close where they can call you out for something. Yeah. yeah, I get really like uncomfortable being in the front. And the last time, like, my girlfriend's parents were coming out here a couple months ago. Like, let's go to a comedy club. I'm like, okay, but, like, we can't sit close because of the heckling, okay? And they're like, oh, okay. And obviously, we get there, and, like, somehow we just get ushered to the front row. And, like, I'm not stoked about that, but there's nothing I can really do about it. And, of course, we get the whole, like, we get heckled from everyone that comes up there. Like, we're not laughing enough. We're not clapping enough. Like, where are you from? Like, all this stuff. And I'm just like, I got to get out of here and like towards the end of the night i'm like i told like to my girlfriend's mom shannon i was like shannon i told you i didn't want to sit up here because of the heckling and he's like i thought you were talking about you heckling the comedians i'm like what planet am i on i don't like like, (laughs) but anyway you must not know me that well shannon getting heckled by uh jeff ross up there is not my cup of tea i'm not i didn't sign up for a freaking roast sir but uh you know so in the theater, I was up there with Jerry's. I felt good back in the in the rafters. Be like, no one can heckle me here. Also, too, I mean, that's not really Jerry's deal. No, he's not. You know, I see a, a couple comedy shows a year at the clubs, and you see ranges of talent. And like, I just get really annoyed when like because you're not funny, you want to fucking come at me and say something or anyone in the audience. You know, you get these people who are like not getting the laughs they want they're really not good at their craft so they turn mean yeah they turn nasty and i'm like you're just not good you're not good at what you do so have a seat please <laughs> Thank you. uh you stop doing that yeah you stop uh, doing that you <laughs> you're funny over here who works in the fucking coffee shop you know you ever like walk into places and some guy is bagging groceries and he's funnier than some guy who's getting paid to be funny on tv and it's like what's going on here do you have any particular comedians that you uh like to go see i mean i don't like follow it like you know Jerry Seinfeld is like my favorite comedian, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't like follow someone's like, we got to go see this person in town. But, you know, like we go to we live in L.A. where all, all these comedy clubs where you can go on any given night and there's like 10 people and randomly someone will come up like Jerry Seinfeld was actually at one of the clubs like a couple weeks ago I think he was testing out some of this material that I just saw you know Larry David like pops in it you know I don't like names off the top of my head I don't have like a bunch of favorites but if you make me laugh that's what matters you know girl guy gay straight doesn't matter if you're funny you're funny and like and if you're not you're certainly not you know <laughs> and then you got to stop doing that <laughs> just stop you know and everyone's got a freaking niche market of comedy it's like this person's got a special you know it's like everyone there's so much niche comedy it's like you know I'm a fan of a kind of global things like that it should make all of us laugh not some like i don't relate to that weird 
scenario joke, but uh, <laughs> that's fine. That's what today's about, just niche markets. Well, we're in one, man. I know, but, you know, it's trying to slip my way out a little bit, you know. Hey, guys, anything else going out there? Well, I find, too, like... With Synthwave, I mean, like, there's obviously so many, even within the umbrella, like, there's so many different ways it can go. And I mean, when I go looking for new music, I don't usually even search for Synthwave. Synthwave, <laughs> such a cinch, easy wave. That's <laughs> what a lot of it sounds like. <laughs> uh, that's actually funny because that's, yeah, maybe that's what I'll start calling, like, the super generic Synthwave. 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 <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, I just like synths. I like synth pop. I just like electronic sounds and things. And so I, I try and find people who maybe don't even realize they're adjacent to synthwave. You know, they're like making something else, but it's just got that vibe. It's just a weird marketing thing, like, uh, you know, genres. And uh, it, it's strange to me. I'll be honest, like, I want to be bigger than this scene and like i i don't consider myself like just straight up synth wave in this box but when you try to get out of that box like i don't like to be labeled in any genre but you know let's say for example you know i wanted to be the the song that i just put out hollywood you could classify certain elements of that song as like house music sure but it's going to be put out as synthwave. Like it just got added to, which I'm thankful for, a Spotify outrun retro wave playlist. But if an established EDM house producer, which a lot of them do now, like have kind of synthy synthwave elements in mm. there, and it's like kind of you can't even determine what genre is what, that's still going to be put out as house music or some form of EDM. It's never going to be like pushed into this smaller market of synthwave. These labels are bullshit. It's like I can put one of my songs next to another song and they're labeled as completely different electronic genres, but like they wouldn't really be sounding that different in my opinion. Yeah, this is the biggest problem, I guess, now that everything's so compartmentalized on the internet and everyone's got their little scenes is it's like everyone likes what they know. I mean, this is the impression I get anyways, is like a lot of people, even when they like music, they're not willing to do the work. Like, so for me, I love music so much and I love this sort of type of music that I will look for it, right? So I'm the kind of guy where if I'm walking past a fucking restaurant and there's a cool song coming out of the speakers that really is exciting to me to hear like new music, I'll go ask the person, like, what the fuck is playing? Yeah, I'll, I shazam that shit. Yeah, well. <laughs> but I'm with you. We both do the, yeah. Yeah, the well, point I is. I need that, to know that song. Yeah. yeah, like I love music and I like finding it and i think there's just so many people just they just get what is there and so that's when you have an artist who's already popular they can put out a synth wave song and everyone will listen and go this song is cool and never connect the dots back to a scene where you could get fucking thousands of hours of music like that. Yeah. And for me, and you, and like everyone else who fucking discovered Synthwave, it's this very small sort of community of people who like, you know, they heard Kavinsky and said, I need more. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like they watched Drive and said, where do I get that? Whereas other people, you know, they watch Stranger Things and go, oh, it's really cool. It makes me feel like the 80s. I like the theme song. And then that's the end of it. And then you just keep on going back to listening to the radio and never bothering to go like, yeah, you know, yeah. if you actually really like that, there's a fucking ton of it over here. And like it would take you 
two seconds to find it if you just tried. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you know those dance parties? Uh, it's like the San Junipero yes. parties. Yeah. I was lucky enough to uh, go to one the other day when Robert Parker was playing this like uh, yacht thing in Los Angeles. And he we've connected over the last couple of years and he had some extra tickets and he didn't really know anyone in L.A. So me and my girlfriend went down and it was a really fun time and it was great to chat with him and hang out. And he's a really cool guy mm. and a good producer, too. I respect what he does. But I was there with some other people like Florence was there and uh, we were talking like that. Like I've seen a bunch of those San Junipero things and like they're packed. They're always packed like at clubs, like just they're packed. It's a freaking party. And we get there and it's packed with all these people like, you know, dressed up kind of 80s. And, and it, you know, it's this 80s dance party. And I'm like, where the fuck are all these people at the synthwave shows? Right. It's what we're talking about. It's kind of this like, yeah, I'm into that because I saw Stranger Things, da da da. And it's like, are you really into it? Like, what? <laughs> like, where are you? Where are you at our shows? No, exactly. And this is the thing I've always tried to figure out because I know people like what they know. And sometimes I use my wife as a barometer for this because, you know, she'll listen to 80s music and 80s playlists and stuff. And there will be songs like, you know, the more synth pop type tunes. There's so many artists who are making songs that I know would fit right into an 80s playlist. Like if you were doing an 80s night and threw in one of those like FM 84 tracks where like Ollie Ride is singing, there's a few of your tracks I'd fucking toss in there. Like Look a Set. There's all these ones. I mean, that's more like the vocal, you know, where you're singing and it's like a proper yeah, I song. I get what you're saying though. I get what you're saying. And yeah. for me, that would seem completely natural. It's the same vibe. But then there is people who just, it's like they're on the dance floor at the wedding and the second a song comes on that they don't know, they just walk away like mice. Like, it's just like, it's like the song just, it's like, nope, no more. I don't know this. And they leave. And to me, I'm like, yeah. this is the fucking same BPM, fucking quality production. Like, if you're dancing, just keep dancing. Yeah. And so I think maybe it's just like a difference. I, I resonate with music differently than some people. But for me, it's like, there's nothing more exciting than finding new music that I like. Because I get so bored of turning on the radio, especially like when they do like 80s weekends and stuff. And I'm like... How do you guys only play the same 40 songs every time you do it? It's an 80s weekend on fucking KLW6. And then yeah. it's like... And drop the needle. Here we go. I love AHA. But I it's love like, that song. That's a great song. No, it's like one of the best ever made. But like the point is that they play the same 40 songs. I'm like, dude, there are artists in your fucking playlist who have at least fucking like 10 great songs that you could be playing right now instead of this one. And, yeah. okay, you like all this other stuff, you should like this, too. Like, that's been a battle forever, though. Like, you should like this. Like, you know, I've always been into music as a whole. Whatever sounds good sounds good. Therefore, like, I'm heavily into, like, a handful of bands from, like, different genres. Like, look, I'm a huge metal guy, but... I also don't love every freaking metal bit. Like someone's like, this sounds like Metallica. Like you should like this, right? And I'm like, I don't though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I like there's one band that sounds like that and I like that one and I don't need another one that sounds exactly like that. And I only listen to a handful of quote unquote synthwave sure. bands. Like fucking one hand, one hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one hand only. Sometimes I switch. I get what you're saying. That is something I experience as well on a, on a regular basis, too. It's usually with movies and TV, though. People never gauge me properly. So anytime they're just like, oh, you like this, you'd like this, they're always wrong. Yeah. But they're wrong, though. Exactly. For me, I, I well, maybe this is me saying, but I'm right. So when I say someone should like something <laughs> like... <laughs> 
<laughs> they no, should, and they're but, stupid but for they're suggesting wrong. things to but me. I'm, that's a, yeah, that's a story of my life. But I am really <laughs> right, though. But I know. But just hear me. Look, let's listen to another song. All right. Speaking of your, uh, you know, your upcoming tour, or maybe you're on tour right now. By the time this episode airs, there's a track you did with Magic Sword called Supernova. Drop it. Let's uh, listen to that. This is Supernova by Magic Sword and Droid Bishop. <laughs>
And that was Magic Sword and Droid Bishop with the track Supernova. And I'm here with Droid Bishop right now. Hi. Uh, we're commiserating like old men. Feeding bread to the ducks in the park. <laughs> you know, that's like a metaphor for what this show is. Mm. The audience are ducks and I keep feeding them the bread of uh, being yes. a guy complaining about how shit was better <laughs> in the 80s. That's the bread. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's the bread, and you are the ducks. To tomorrow. So quit looking in the past, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thing is that's why i was always so excited about synthwave because as nostalgic as i am i love that there was this genre out there of music that was both new and old that to me is the stuff that's always my favorite it's like you embrace the things about the past that are cool and you make new art that's new but with a little flavor of you know the old stuff that's why you know like when it comes to star wars things why i like the mandalorian and don't like what they did with the sequel trilogy is sort of like i because i felt like last jedi was just a little bit too off the rails and not it didn't feel like star wars so it's like i do want new things from the franchise if they're good if they're good this is the thing i've been thinking about i don't know how to really articulate this as an argument but like star wars it takes place in space there's robots and aliens and there's laser gun battles and things like this now star trek has those things too right doctor who has those things battlestar galactica has those things but obviously there's still something that separates all of these or else we would just be a fan of everything. So I do think there's a point where as inventive and as cool as you want to be, there's only so far you can bend a franchise before it just kind of, you just made a thing that just isn't what people who like that franchise want to see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's that's the same with music too. If you like push beyond the boundaries of what people are used to, you doing or making like it's a big risk yeah. for them to be like you know what this isn't why i listen to you so i won't be continuing it's tough though because i have to always commend people who take risks because i feel like that's true artistry right i mean like even if it doesn't work because <laughs> it doesn't mean i'm gonna like it like there's some artists in the synthwave scene who have sort of changed their sound to a point where i'm like I gotta go, well, look, man, you're a true artist, and you're going where the art is taking you, and that's cool. I'm not going to pretend to like it if I don't, but I still have to commend the fact that, okay, you're going someplace, you're moving somewhere. And that's just what happens, right? I mean, like, you need people out there being weird and push and see how far you can go, and it's magic. It's just like movie magic or anything else. It's like, if you push just enough where you've changed enough, but you still retain that sliver of what you were, and you don't, you can't even quite figure out what the fuck it is, but you reach it, and then all of a sudden everyone's super excited, and then you do one little weird synth in there, and then the whole thing derails. Yeah, I know. I mean, but, you know, all I think is fair. Art must grow. Artists must push boundaries. I think there's always a responsibility. For me, my mission is always to, like, entertain, enlighten, and evoke any moat you know what i mean like you have responsibilities you can't just be like i'm gonna push the boundaries and like have it not be enjoyable like you know i know that's in the eye of the beholder but all i can ask and all all artists should be able to do is like try things and if you don't like something a fan doesn't like something or that's not like that doesn't sound like what i would listen to anymore 
that's fine. Don't listen to it and have your opinion. But like what I don't care for is when like people start sharing their opinion with the artist and like suggesting things. And like I get that stuff a lot and it, it rubs me the wrong way. And I and I deal with like, you know, I get annoyed with things easily from humans. And yeah. like, I'm like, why would you why would you think that's appropriate kind of thing to like the things that people say or do to each other? I'm just like, what planet are you on? But, you know, that's the name of the game. And I don't know. I think people think they you owe them stuff constantly. And I'm like, I gave you music that you like, and I'm not taking that away from you. I'm never taking back something that I've already put out. So it's like, just let me do what I want to do and move on if you don't like it. You know, it's the fucking Internet again, man, because I feel yeah. like there's so many things that people wouldn't say if it wasn't as easy as tweeting. Yeah. If they were in your face, I'd be like, would you tell me this at a concert? You'd be like, you know what? I didn't like that set at all. Because it's so easy. I think it's just that some people have a voice on the internet that, like, because of their social awkwardness, they would never say it in real life. And sometimes I feel like people, either they don't spend enough time around real humans, or they have some sort of other issue where they just don't know what is appropriate or not appropriate things to say. Because I think sometimes people really think... If they start a sentence out with a compliment, it can just end with an insult, yeah. and that's okay. And it's like, no, like you end with an insult, all I'm going to hear is the insult. Like you can say, like, exactly. oh, I really dig your show, but I know the, the latest ones are a little boring. And like, that's all I heard. You don't need to say that part. That's all I heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's all, all I really I- liked your old haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Look, I say stupid things too. I always kind of know what I'm saying, though. Do you know what I mean? I always kind of like, yeah, I know that was a little harsh or I definitely jabbed that person when I was like, I I don't feel like I ever like what? Like someone has to put me aside and be like, you know, that was probably insulting to them, right? I'm never like, huh? It was like, (laughs) that just bothers me. I know I'm an asshole sometimes. I know I can be an asshole. I know that I'm a chill person a lot of the time, but I know when I'm an asshole. Yes. One of my biggest pet peeves is just like not being self-aware. Yes. No, self-awareness is key. I mean, if we learn nothing from Skynet, it's being self-aware, you know, so <laughs> just fucking think about some things, people. <laughs> I, I take a lot of lessons from Skynet. Me too. What, what are the dates for your tour? I think the first show is the 15th of October. The tours from October 15th to November 15th, I believe. Well, I'm just thinking, because then maybe I'll actually try and edit this thing so it actually comes out while you're on tour. Yeah, I mean, that would be... Or, or like, right before. I don't know. Ooh, look at you, but, eh? Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to get all coked up to edit all these podcasts in time. Because I moved... And before I left, because I don't have high-speed internet where I am, and I recorded so many interviews in, like, May that I'm still editing now, but then I'm also going, like, well, I still got to put out current stuff, and so now some of those interviews are getting pushed even farther back. Yeah, don't push this one back, dude. Just do this (laughs) one first. Get it out there. (laughs) You're lucky I like you. Yeah. (laughs) Although I liked your old haircut. Well, you know, I'm sure you liked my old music, too, you know? I do. I like all of it. Fuck you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I did see a picture of you, and you you were bald. What was that about? You started shaving I your head? I shaved my head, yeah. 
you know, just getting getting ahead of the curve, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got a good shaped head. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, no uh, major uh, goiters in the back or anything. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things. You get older and you're like, I, I was just overthinking about it the way that I was and like analyzing things. And I'm just like, dude, just shave it off. And things that you can't control, like it's out of my control. It's out of my control. But what I can control is just like razor blade, just blading it up, dude, and just <laughs> controlling my own narrative and, and just <laughs> being comfortable with like who i am and, and not worrying about it like because I, like i just want to focus on like things that matter the the arts and music and progressing in life and i'm not going to say that these things don't matter to humans and the, the superficial boxes we put ourselves in it matters these things matter to like how society's been set up but just a grand picture they don't fucking matter you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the less you can focus on, because for me, because my hair, like, gets thinner in the front, and there's so much time I've wasted, because I want to start live streaming again once I get my uh, fast internet here, and, uh, you know, I'll look at myself in the camera and go, fuck, and I have to go back and, like, adjust, like, several hairs to feel better about no, myself. I've, yeah, no, I feel you. And I just go, fuck, I, 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 I think about it too much. And yeah, it is. It is such a, a relief when you just decide. Like, I'm. This is a thing I'm not even going to fucking worry about anymore. It's a nice feeling. I mean, I I feel really bad for like people that their whole life and to some people their job and their money. I feel really bad for those people who are. It's like their looks are their their life and their money because like it won't last. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not like you can't control that. And you're just going to you're going to be worried about it constantly. Like, you know, the plastic surgeries like that stuff's a fucking nightmare, man. That's a nightmare. Well, that's what's so sad. <laughs> just like with CGI, they just haven't figured it out yet. Perfected it, you know. And anytime you yeah. see, like, especially actresses, like older actresses who get the fucking Botox in their lips, has that in the history of Botox and lips ever looked natural no no all i ever do when i see women who have like the fake lips is just like what'd you do like you did this thing to your lips like it never looks natural it always just draws attention to the fact that you got surgery which maybe is a thing for some crowds like maybe that's your in to the crowd is like look i got the fucking whatever done to me i don't know i don't know it just always looks weird then when they go overboard they look crazy mm -hmm. i mean like i guess fake boobs or spheres i mean like that's probably the only one that <laughs> is the only one we're like okay fine like you got circles on your chest like i guess that surgery works as well as it can but they don't look natural some of them are better than other you know it's like the cgi thing some doctors some cgi uh, engineers are better than others and but like like you said they haven't figured completely figured it out and i i remember this bill burr stand-up bit where he was like you know they haven't figured it out yet w would you rather look like a 60 year old human or a 30 year old lizard yeah. <laughs> you know because like that's what's happening you're younger but you look like you're not human anymore yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of these ladies look like lions yeah it's weird you know some you see those like that cat look and i'm like jesus christ mom <laughs> not my actual mom <laughs> jesus <laughs> Let's listen to another song. I'm just trying to think what we should listen to here. I don't know, man. Did I ever play Dark Paradise on this show? It's older. Couldn't tell you. Several years. You know what? Let's listen to that. All right. Because that's a cool song, and then we'll keep chatting. So this is a Dark Paradise by Troyd Bishop. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that was Droid Bishop with the track Dark Paradise. And I'm here with Droid Bishop right now, James, talking about lizards. Yeah, <laughs> lot lizards. <laughs> you know lot lizards? I used to have a friend that drove truck, or I think he still does. He's like a an 18-wheeler truck driver, and he would always tell me like the slang. And, uh, you know, these truckies uh, with their CB radios. And uh, the one that just always stuck with me is like the code word lot lizard. <laughs> I guess it's like, a, you know, hookers in the parking lots when they park there. And uh, yeah, the we got a couple stops, lot yeah. lizards at the next stop, so, boys. That's the problem, because I just have this sort of sense of humor where sometimes a joke or a thing in life is horrible but so horrible to a point where it's funny. You know what I mean? Because like when you just think of the idea of calling someone a lot lizard, it's terrible, but it's like, it's so bad that it just is fucking hilarious. Like fucking you know, lot lizard. Anyone can get upset or annoyed, whatever. But like, you know, whoever it may be in the given moment when I say something, someone's like, that's not funny. And my and my thing is like, then why am I laughing? Yeah. Then why am I laughing? You know what I mean? If it's truly not funny, then I would not be laughing. I can't control. I can't control what's funny to me. You yeah. know what I mean? These things that people say that aren't true. If it, it's not funny, well, I'm laughing. So it is funny to somebody. That's what always bugs me too. Like whenever people would get outraged about like comedians and stuff, and they would like post a clip and just be like, "Look at this! Like this is terrible and unfunny." And then literally they're posting a clip of like an audience, an audience laughing at a joke yeah you know what i mean it's like well it seemed pretty funny to those fucking several yeah, hundred people exactly. you know what i mean like because it's one thing if like a comedian was bombing and they say a horrible offensive thing and like all you get like remember when michael richards had his fucking yeah that's not funny no and also you hear in the crowd people are laughing at first because they think this is like some kind of bit and then when it when they realize like oh shit like he's just you having a bad day <laughs> then yeah. people start filing out it goes quiet just people in the crowd like uh what you know and they just walk out and that's not funny when it's humor what's the task at hand to make someone laugh if that happens then it doesn't matter what was said it made someone laugh when it's that michael richards kind of ranty thing with comedy as well like like stand-up and stuff i mean it's a context thing too it's like that's the point it's like there's some things that are funny when someone's on stage saying it that might not be funny if you were like in a grocery store and some guy was saying that to like a fucking cashier while you're behind him or something yeah and you'd be like all right this is not the place <laughs> for this it's weird like it's the same thing we were talking about before when people like have to like give you notes on your music or tell you what's good or not good like anytime honestly anytime anyone ever says the phrase not funny all that does is tell me something about you yeah because when i don't find something funny i just walk away do you know what i mean like i don't have the need to like no, chastise no. people for liking it or whatever it's just like you know what i'm out of here but if you're as soon as someone's just like not funny you just like are you like this fucking lame like teacher? Like, are we at school? Are we being scolded? But you know, like, who are you? Like, fuck off! It's weird to me when people feel the need to do that. Yeah, and and you know, like like we were talking about before. Like, I have plenty of haterade opinions on things that I only share like with my girlfriend. Fucking haterade! Like, I'm constantly. <laughs> I'm sure I'm annoying to her, but like, oh dude, literally just like breaking down commercials and be like, see, that's why this would never happen. And like, I'm supposed to like this freaking family here and buy their bank insurance. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly like big brother and all this stuff, but I'm never going to, I've learned my lesson. Like, don't say that stuff 
online. Don't tweet opinions like that. But knocking things down, I've learned like you never know who you're insulting. Like, like if I say I don't like this TV show, it's stupid and blah blah blah. Like I may be right in my own opinion, but like you never know who who you're insulting or making someone feel like oh now I feel stupid because like Droid Bishop said that show's stupid. I must be stupid or something. I won't do that anymore. But I will build something up like i posted prey like i liked this movie i think this is a good move first of all i always find it weird when people need validation from even if it's people they respect because i like what i like like i know i'm i'm confident in the things that I like. I like the Lord of the Rings movies, and I also like Ricky Gervais, and I would listen to his podcast, and they would, like, shit on Lord of the Rings all the time, like, just because they're not into fantasy. And at no point am I like, Ricky Gervais doesn't like the thing. Like, I don't care. I know what I like. I know how those movies make me feel. Yeah. Like, I don't need validation, like, whenever famous people, like, bitch about a thing I like. It's like, who gives a fuck? I can hear people complain all the time about, like, superhero movies. I mean, I still like a lot of them. It's still, like, a genre I enjoy. And if I didn't, I wouldn't it's like i'm not doing it to impress anybody you know my favorite tv show is classic doctor who oh i know i live my entire life (laughs) having people let me know that that show is bad and like it's cheap and like weird and i'm like okay i still like it though so yeah i totally agree and i'm gonna do whatever i want to do and like what i what i like but there have been moments when you know someone i admire or something said something i disagree with or they said something they don't like that i like and and whatever and i had a little moments of like oh that's a bummer do you know what i mean but i'm not gonna like put my cd down that they said you know i don't like that band like i'm never gonna do that and i feel like we've got a lot of people like that they're like oh they said that uh, i won't i won't uh, i shouldn't watch that movie anymore for me it's only a bummer if like someone really exposes that they're horrible but then even then you got to be like bill cosby level but then i never liked bill cosby's comedy so like it never affected me. I liked it. That's why it was a bummer to me. Here's my rationale, though, too. Because people will do that. We're like, oh, this actor sucked, or he went and said something shitty. Don't watch this movie. I'm like, a thousand people worked on this fucking film. Exactly. I know. Exactly. You know, like, oh, the, you know, the writer, he was on some blog saying some fucking racist shit. I'm like, yeah. And, like, the sound people and everyone who fucking worked exactly. on this and produced this amazing film, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fucking take it out of my catalog because one of the fucking 200 people on staff was an asshole. Like, that's not enough. There's so many things I like. I mean, especially, like, a lot of the old movies I watch and stuff. Like, everything is problematic if you look at it in a certain lens. Bro, but it, every 80s movie yeah. has, like, a dude, like, staring at a girl in a shower. Yeah. And, and, like, and it's, like, a comic scene. Every fucking 80s movie. Everyone. Go back. Like, that's a comedy or, like, dudes in a comedy. Oh, yeah. There's, like, creepy shower moments or, like, or, like creeping on a girl getting changed. And it's got some, like... like some like cheesy music that's like we're supposed to be laughing and like we just look at them and we and we note me and my girlfriend like we take note we're like that wouldn't fly today and we keep watching the movie yeah sometimes those moments are even funnier especially in 80s movies like the misogyny in like 80s movies like it's not even a joke it's just like at the time it's just well that was a completely acceptable thing to say to a lady that's why it's funny it's comical it's funny because it's like this was okay yeah yeah. (laughs) like (laughs) that's an antiquated point of view and it's so i don't know i i'm not in the rush to fucking uh erase the things that i love if i love them you, you can't uh, you can't erase history you know i mean i know we're getting into murky waters here but i <laughs> you know it's just look all i'm saying is done tear and, down those yeah. fucking statues yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know it's all 
you know, there's no answer that like you no. bring up someone like that. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do, but I know that I'm having a hell of time just sitting back and analytically <laughs> watching everyone do things. I just feel like I'm isolated and separated in a, in a way from like the world. And yes, I'm a part of it, but I'm also like just observing it. But the thing is, because of the internet stuff, we're seeing stuff that we shouldn't even see. If this were the 80s, and there was some fucking weird bad story or some a bus flipped over in Germany or something, you wouldn't even know. Do you know what I mean? But now it's like we're so inundated that if someone wants to post fucking, like, nothing horrible happened in your town today, so they go like, well, you know, in uh, this town in uh, fucking wherever, New Brunswick, some guy ran around with a knife, and you're like, I wouldn't know that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's the internet the is like... There's too much news. Some of it's just, it's like it's there to annoy you. Like, my wife keeps on saying, like, post your videos on TikTok or whatever. And I went on TikTok, and since I'm not telling it what I like, I'm not really, like, harding anything. Whenever I go to the For You page on TikTok, it is literally just thing after thing designed to make me hate the world. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Every single post. Here's some people arguing in a parking lot. You know, here's someone complaining that someone just did something racist to them. Here's someone saying something racist. It was just nonstop. Horrible things, conspiracy shit, all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, like, TikTok wants me to fucking hate the world and I got so depressed I, get, I just go to my wife I'm like what is this app it's garbage she's like well you gotta tell it you know like like videos that you like and it'll start giving you more of those and I'm like I'm not gonna tell it shit it's garbage <laughs> I only use this stuff to promote my art yes that's all I do like I literally don't care I don't really want to follow anyone I uh, the accounts I follow are like art pages or, or a few musicians or, yeah. or something that's like cool that I want like a design designer or something that's going to be nice to my palate. I hate social media. I'm here to say it. I hate all of it. It's crap. They put you in boxes. They force you to pay for ads to even to your own followers. Like I'm just trying to promote my stuff and get people to my shows and people to support my music. And I have like 10,000 followers on Instagram and like no one fucking sees my posts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, well, that's because you need to do this and like jump through this hoop and you jump through the hoops. And it's like, I hate that shit. I hate Zuckerberg. He's a piece of shit. And like... <laughs> You know, like that dude is like, uh, like I saw the other day, like street cleaner. He was like his video of himself whistling his own song was taken down due to copyright things. And it's like, cool work, dudes. Like I fucking hate, I hate those guys. I hate the system. It's bullshit. There's too much out there. I don't even freaking know what's happening with these young kids brains and like what they think about the world. And like, that's all they, they know. I'm here to say it's shit. <laughs> well, no, you're right. And also... The algorithm itself is a little fucked, too, because, like you said, like, how you have to pay. So, like, yeah, my followers, they don't see anything. So, it's like, th this follower count means nothing until you pay money. But then if you do, you're just going to end up in the feeds of people who follow you, but you're going to show up too much. I'll see that happen, too, where someone will promote their album, and then I'll keep seeing that post. And, like, the comments are, like, they're acknowledging that they're seeing this post too much and stuff. Yeah. Like, it should just go to the people that follow you. Like, paying money should be all about reaching outside of your follower base but the people who follow you should see your shit sometimes i have to go out of my way to see posts from people i follow like when i go on instagram and i'll scroll and i'm like add 
add, add someone who's not even my fucking friend. It just says like, here's an account you might like. You might also like this. I'm like, you know what I might fucking like is seeing the posts of the fucking people I follow. I might like that. My own followers. Because I like to support people. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I want to see the latest stuff that people I follow have posted and, and check it out and give it a like or whatever. I have to literally do it manually. Like I go into my following and then I just start clicking down the list and like seeing stuff that people have posted lately because sometimes my Instagram feed is entirely like accounts they're suggesting to me and ads. Yeah. And also, you know, like, I mean, it sounds a little like conceited, but it's just a point of like, what are we all doing this for? Because like, I'll see like, okay, 1200 accounts were reached. A thousand of your own followers were reached. And this is like a pretty decent picture of something like a a new single or a new something, a video, something at least eye-catching. So just like most of 80% of my own followers just just passing on my picture, no like, like (laughs) what's happening? I don't understand. You know what I mean? Why follow me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of it too. Kind of like you like things or you just like scroll and I get it. But like I don't follow bands or musicians to like really like not like their stuff. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand what's happening i don't understand what's the point what are we supposed to do and now everyone's jumping on tiktok what do we have to do here what, just tell me where my monkey suit is with my <laughs> and, the, and the symbols that i bang together just tell me where to sit yeah where's the camera where do i look thank you <laughs> fucking garbage well i'll tell you what's not garbage my friend (laughs) is the cool music of droid bishop i want to listen to the track reach okay and then we'll uh we'll keep chatting this is a reach by droid bishop Oh, 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 
And that was Droid Bishop with the track Reach. And I'm here right now with Droid Bishop. We're just uh, complaining about social media. I like in your uh, your last few uh, singles you've released, you're having more fun with these like fun uh, voice samples. Oh, yeah. You know, like I'll listen to a song and like reach for the stars and then her things like that yeah i've been uh you know i felt like kind of when we we're talking about earlier like putting out those albums and like trying different things like i just didn't really feel like writing songs right now with like lyrics and singing and i was just kind of like i don't really want to do that and i kind of just i had a vision of just putting a bunch of like more dance friendly tracks together if you will yeah there is an undeniable connection between the listener and even when it's like instrumental or dance music when there's like voice samples or things that are human in there and and i just feel like it kind of takes it out of this strictly instrumental world but you're you still can like paint pictures in your mind you're not you're not being like told what the song is technically about and i don't know just kind of like having fun with samples and doing weird voice stuff and who knows what the future will bring but it's fun right now (laughs) you know Yeah, because it reminded me of, was it the last album or the one before with the track Automation? Oh, yeah. Whenever I hear, you know, that Automation. Yeah, exactly. It makes me smile. That's the point. That's good. I'm glad. I like to smile. Smiling is good. It's better than frowning. Yeah, man. I like to turn that frown upside down. That's my catchphrase. And be a big clown. (laughs) I am a clown. A Canadian clown. Yeah. Whatever pays the bills. I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) What happened? Did we lose it? No. I mean, <laughs> no, no. We're still here. <laughs> Thank you for all the people paying our bills to allow us to uh, chat here. Well, bills are important to pay, man. Does your girlfriend, uh, does she have a proper job? What does she do? She is a graphic designer. For a long time, doing graphic design marketing for like big real estate companies, like doing their layouts for their online magazines and like the real estate magazines that come out. Lots of just marketing and graphic design for their stuff. So okay. It's cool. Like, and we, uh, you know, bounce off little graphic design Photoshop stuff to each other. It's always nice. Like, I can like show her, like, oh, because I, you know, I do my own visuals and videos and graphics. And so it's cool to have someone to kind of, I, I wouldn't want someone in musically like that. You know, I'd be like, just let me uh, handle the music yeah. but like we can <laughs> talk to each other i remember i had a girlfriend who was a musician as well and knew music you know what i mean it wasn't like oh she's casual part like she understood what was going on and like that there was like you know you'd show her something and be like what if it was that chord i'm like don't ever tell me to change my music again <laughs> and we're not together anymore <laughs> What if Too you many left? suggestions? <laughs> what yeah. if you got the fuck out of my house? Yeah, exactly. When you're working with other creative people, and there's different kind of vibes, and so there are some people who, and these are the people who I always would struggle with when I'm when we're working on a creative project together, where they don't necessarily give advice based on what the project is. They just sort of say, "Here's what I would do," and to me, that's like useless because you're just like, "Well, right," but this is my project like if someone walks in and you're like making a movie and they're like you know what i do is i'd have a guy run in with a fucking clown mask and it starts playing circus music and like right but that is inappropriate for this project like you're just suggesting another thing and so sometimes it's tricky when you you want to get into the headspace of whatever the person is and like what the actual project is and like not everybody i is good at doing that yeah and i i found i generally don't like to work with other people uh it's something i'm working on to be able you know because like things i want to achieve you have to be able to 
collaborate and things like that. But what gets me with working strictly musically with some other people is that I always feel like there's a point that like everyone has like a ceiling where they're willing for something to go. And like for me, I don't. If some random chord comes out or like some section that just, oh, this like takes it to another place. I've always felt that like that's always shut down. Like people like, oh, let's keep it in this box of this genre. And then it's never allowed to go anywhere outside for a moment, which I think makes things interesting and creative. And that's generally why I don't like to work with people because if something just pops out out of nowhere and it's like really cool, but kind of a risk and not maybe even a different genre for a moment, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And I'm just like, I don't have time for this. You know, I don't have time to like hinder creativeness so you can fit in a box and sound like this song you heard on the radio. I wonder if this is also just a symptom of, especially with like a lot of the collaborations that happen, you know, in this scene or maybe even in general now is that a lot of it's online and I think what you're saying is like you want to jam and like you can't really jam with people online well I mean I mean you're right in what you're saying but I'm not really like when I'm saying this I'm not recalling like times I've tried to collab with synthwave artists that's not really what I'm, I'm talking about like when I was in bands with people and like or like the production stuff I've done in the past or you know co-writing with people I feel like that is more what I'm talking about but uh, if we want to talk about it in the synthwave seen like i have had some nameless collaboration things that were in process that kind of were like that it was like i wanted to do things more like if you listen to all my catalog you i i bounce around i go outside the walls i do things differently on different tracks and 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 some of these people just wanted to stay like in this strict synthwave lane and i'm just like i can't do that so long (laughs) and where are they now i don't know because i didn't name them yeah name names damn it let's have it be that show they name names this is gonna be the last episode of beyond synth yeah yeah. i'm just gonna do a big list of people that suck yeah let me just tell you all the artists (laughs) oh man i'm always debating maybe i will do that for the final episode just the ultimate bridge burner (laughs) fuck you fuck you you're cool just do that yeah you just read all the Patreon names and like, and with a big fuck you at the end. Well, they'd probably like that because that'd be a funny. <laughs> they they like the abuse, damn it. Yeah, that's what they pay me for. They're paying for it. <laughs> well, technically a donation. Yeah, Did you hear that, Mister <laughs> Taxman? Yeah, <laughs> it's a gift, Mister Taxman. I swear. Well, look, we can probably wind down. We've been talking for a while. Yeah, let's wind down. It's a little. It's, it's too exciting in here, you know? Let's just wind it down. To be honest, I have to go pick up my uh, daughter from school, but... Uh, oh, it's fine. I've got to go to the bathroom. Oh, the so we're good. <laughs> Strictly number one, folks. Yeah, we don't talk about the other thing. Keep it clean. This is a classy show. So, the point is this, right? You got this tour coming up. October to November in Europe. So, European listeners, go see Droid Bishop and Magic Sword. And UK. I'm sure if they're fans of this show and they're in Europe, they probably already know about this. And the UK and Ireland. Yeah, because that'll be, that'll be a good time, right? That will be a good time. Good time on the road. How does it work for just bringing your gear? Got to put it on a plane? I mean, I'm pretty low, low impact. We had a bunch of merch made in Czech Republic at a factory that like, you know, it'll all be over there. We're going to like coordinate getting that um, while we're there. So we don't have to like bring a bunch of merch over, which which is good. But as far as gear, like my stuff's pretty, you know, for these opening slots, I keep it pretty minimal. Obviously, I'd like to 
have like more dudes on stage at some point and like bigger production but it's just me and i just bring my guitar like maybe a little a little keyboard and i've just got a big duffel bag that i've like i did it last time where i just pack all my clothes and everything and i put my interface that runs all my tracks from my computer like it's in its own little travel case i put that in my duffel bag like in the clothes so it's like just one checked item you know and i just bring my guitar on the on the plane that's why i'm able to do this with magic sword because i can just roll with them like i'm just one guy I, i can like ride in their in their transport with them like we're we're staying in the same like accommodations the lodging is all the same and i couldn't do that if it was like even another person even one other person or more gear so i think that's why they keep having me back low maintenance (laughs) you know well and because you're a very talented fellow oh i appreciate it andy it's true i know i say it in that sort of voice but it's just because whenever i give sincere compliments but you know the point is this i think i think droid bishop is I had uh, Ethan, Mr. Ethan Henning. Sometimes he helps me update my uh, Beyond Synth database, and he just told me that, uh, all right, listen, Droid Bishop, he's filled up every single slot on that database, and uh, that's like, I think you're the most played artist on this show, and obviously you've, you've obviously come back several times, and I'm like, uh-oh, he's like, because I'm about to talk to him again, and so I don't know what if that means you're going to fucking break the the forum now. I didn't know that. That's, a, that's an exciting stat makes me feel warm inside <laughs> well you know you make awesome music well i appreciate it man i like the droid bishop and uh, i've like i've enjoyed the evolution over the years it's coming up on 10 years man i know it's crazy the date is in mind of like when i first released a track it will be in 2023 like the 10 year mark and i'm just like debating like doing something like i don't want to like say something i can't unsay but like mm. i'm thinking about things like maybe like remixing some old tracks like putting out like a little 10 years like i don't know but just you know it's it's only going to come around once i can't fuck i at least have to think about it so maybe there'll be something you know what track i really like what's that color, color and, and data. data yeah that's the <laughs> color and data maybe I'll, I'll i'll put it out remix it i'll spell it with a ou mm-hmm in color. Yes, that's very important. Just that's, you know, I'll just make it strictly for you. Andy's uh, 10 year anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that's always been confusing for me because I started Beyond Synth. I think the first episode aired in like August of 2013. Season one was pretty much just like the last four months of 2013. And then the next season started immediately afterwards. And so it's always weird to me because we're technically in season 10 now. But the 10th anniversary won't be until next season because of the way everything fell. Numbers, man. Yeah. Maybe I'll put out a remix of my own. Yeah, you know, uh, just make a vaporwave remix of one of your shows and just have it for like eight hours. <laughs> just at this tempo. I should do that, actually. That's more of an April yeah. 1st type thing. Yeah. But, you know, the important thing is that we're both coming up on 10 years. And depending on how you look at success, we were either very successful or we're just failures wasting our time. But I'd like to think the first one. Well, you listen, know? you know, the, the work of Droid Bishop has never been a waste of time. You've, the music has powered me through many moments. You know, I found as the sound progressed and, and changed, you know, because I found your last few albums, they're a lot more like danceable, kind of fun sorts of things to listen to. I like to say proper music. Even though, like, it's all proper music, but you know what I, I mean. Like, you, I, I value that statement. You're definitely like 
one of the best. Oh, thank you, sir. Well, you're the best uh, Beyond Synth host <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, ever since I replaced the first guy that was doing it. Well, you know, that's the thing. You can say, you know, we're 10 years in. Whether that's good or bad, uh, we're still here. So that's something. I don't know what it means, but, you know, there's been a lot of synthwave shows that have come and gone over the years and exactly and there you know i've seen a lot of people come and go musically and of course there's bigger fish there's smaller fish but you know i'm going on tour to europe i've never done that with joy bishop for a month with magic sword and you know like it would be a drag if 10 years was coming up and there was really nothing to show for it but you know i think 10 years we've both got some nice uh, landmarks under our our belts and uh yeah, push forward into the future. Yep. <laughs> well, what a lovely sentiment to end this on. Yes. Because uh, I got to go or else uh, there's going to be no one there to pick up my kid. Yep. That's going to be weird. Yep. And you're going to give him a complex yep. abandonment <laughs> issues. But look, listen, it's always lovely chatting with you. Of course. Uh, have fun on your Europe tour and I guess we'll look forward to a new EP as well. Is that going to come out after the tour? I don't know. It's debatable but I'll send you it when it's finished. Perfect. And I'll keep you posted. But uh, I know your your child awaits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be a good dad and go pick him up. Alright. Listen, you're a cool guy and we'll talk soon. Back at you, Slick. <laughs> <laughs> slick. All right, and that was my chat with Droid Bishop. Always fun catching up with him. And I hope his tour is going well with Magic Sword and LeBrock is joining them on some of those dates as was discussed in this conversation. I hope you were paying attention. Anyways, uh, listen, thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, remember, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or you can go to paypal.com. Uh, wait, no, that's not the address. Uh, PayPal me? Anyway, just go to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, not good at this. And uh, listen, tune in next time to Beyond Synth. Next week will be a playlist show. Although seeing the date, we should probably put together a Halloween episode, right? <laughs> it shows you my disorganization. I've been so concerned with recording these episodes with Beyond Synth patrons that I completely forgot that, oh shit, Halloween's coming up. So, okay, maybe maybe next week's episode will be a Halloween episode. Of course, now I'm locking myself into a Halloween episode next week. Look, thanks for listening, and tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you. Beyond Synth is made in partnership with your mom. <laughs> <laughs>